on today's mini-sode of the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, we have a very special guest for y'all. Christ on his throne, no. <laughs> Whoever would. I can't have that. <laughs> That's right, everyone. We have Judd Crandall on the show. The girls who cried be horror. Hello, creeps, and welcome to, yes, another mini-sode, but this is actually our end of season two special um, of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. As always, I'm Anya. Hi, creeps, I'm Alex, and today we have a very special guest uh, to talk about Stephen King. It is Mr. King's number one fan, his <laughs> own Annie Wilkes, if you will. Uh, <laughs> One of my very best friends of the last, what, fucking 12 years. Uh, please welcome Elizabeth. Hi, I'm so happy. I'm excited. I'm nervous to be here. <laughs> Don't be nervous. There's we are no idiots. no need to be nervous, <laughs> literally. Um, it's a sideshow act every time. Um, but yeah, as Alex said, we are doing a Stephen King minisode. And the reason for that, you know, the, the long-winded reason that we're, you know, justifying doing such a thing is because next month, Alex is getting married yippee skippy um and pre that this past month we all collectively me alex and elizabeth and a few others the bridesmaids went on a stephen king tour in bangor maine and it was fantastic so in honor of alex's incoming nuptials and also in honor of the fact that there's always a fucking new stephen king adaptation on the horizon to be released Firestarter being one of the big ones coming out this year, um, we decided it was time for us to take a moment of pause and to reflect back on our love for Stephen King, to talk about the tour, uh, and to give King Jamie, who runs the tours, his moment in the sun on our podcast. <laughs> Elizabeth is blushing. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I think a good way to get into this today would be for each of us to say, like, how did we each individually get in to Stephen King because obviously I know Alex and I are huge horror fans so it kind of feels like an inevitable thing and I don't know Elizabeth if you're if you would consider yourself a huge horror fan but you're obviously a huge Stephen King fan so I'm curious from everyone like what was like that first thing if you can remember or like that brought you into the Stephen King universe yeah I'll start why not um I remember the first Stephen King I probably saw like Carrie and Maybe The Shining when I was very young. Um, but the first time I ever read a Stephen King book, I remember so distinctly I was in fourth grade and I took out Cujo from the library being like, yeah, I'm an adult. I'm going to read Cujo. Mm, it's fine. And I remember driving to Maine for the because we always went to Maine in the summers. And I was in the front seat of the car and I was reading it. And there was a scene where this little boy is like in his bedroom and there's someone in his closet that's like talking to him and trying to get him to like open the closet door and every night it opens a little bit more and he gets like closer and closer to him and I was so fucking terrified of that that I like was on my fucking like I was on the brink I was like I don't know if I can do this and then there was a scene where a woman like vomited blood and it was just very graphic and I shut the book threw it to the bottom of the car and said I can't read this anymore uh and I never finished it until I bought it again like five years ago and read it so it fucked me up and I don't think I read a Stephen King book for a while after that, but that was my first toe dip in his little, you know, pond. Very Joey Tribbiani of you. <laughs> Just like removing <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that is very Joey. Um, I mean, mine was also at the library. Um, I remember going up to the librarians one day and was like, listen, 
the children's section done, YA section, not cutting it for me anymore, not scary. Now. <laughs> I was like, I need to know, I, I need something else. And they were like, well, have you read anything by Stephen King? And I was like, no. And so they're like, you should start there. And I was still in my weird, like, narc, swear, please, hall monitor. <laughs> and so I think weirdly the first book I chose was Hearts in Atlantis. Like something, I, re I remember nothing about it, except for I was like, I don't like the profanity, which is very able. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I started reading like Gene Kuntz, which is like, you know, his, his little rival. So that was, you know, a betrayal mm -hmm. on my part. But I, w I remember telling my dad he swears once. Um, but I think before that, the first like movie exposure was that my dad has no concept of what's appropriate and what's not for children. So we went to Blockbuster and he mm -hmm. let me take out it on VHS. And I watched it on VHS in the wrong order. <laughs> I watched the, oh I watched God. the second Jeez. part first and I was like, <laughs> what is this weird spider situation going on at the end? So yeah, that was my first Stephen King like, movie probably. That must have been very confusing. <laughs> I love that the librarians at your school, were you like always like into like the YA like horror? Is that why they immediately suggested Stephen King? Or they're like, let's traumatize this child. Why don't you try Stephen so King? So I ended up working at the library like all throughout high school too. And had been going to this library since I was three. And since I was a very tiny kid, they were like, I was, they said that they just remember being, me being like, scarier, scarier. This isn't scary enough. Nice. <laughs> uh, genuine desire <laughs> to read something scary. Um, I wish I was as literate as both of you because you're both like, oh, it started with a Stephen King book. And it definitely did not start with a book for me. Um, I... I don't have a vivid mem. Well, I just remember like growing up, like I would, I was, it was always like the AMC Fear Fest on AMC, and they were AMC was like, we have Stephen King for you all hours of the day, don't you worry. So it was every year, and my mom is really into like Stephen King movies and stuff like that. So I feel like probably the first one I ever saw was like, I don't know, like Pet Cemetery or, or the first one that I'm like consciously remembering, mm -hmm. and I loved it. And like when you get older, you realize you know there's flaws there, but like I don't care. Like I was just so mesmerized. I was like what the fuck is going on here? This is depraved. Um, I just loved it. And then, yeah, I think from that moment on, I was like, well, what's up? what else has he got? Um, and then my first memory of a Stephen King book was actually very later in my life. Not that much later. Um, I'm talking like I'm fucking like 70 <laughs> years old. It wasn't until my 50s. Um, but it was my 10th year of high school, so 10th grader, and I was in advanced English. 10th year of high school. <laughs> In my 10th year. Um, I just woke up. I just woke up, goddammit. Um, but we had an assignment where it was like half the first half of the year you had to read like nonfiction um, and then write a book report about it. And I did like the Amityville horror. I was truly stretching that definition thin as fuck. Um, and then we also had to do fiction. And I was like, that's so broad because that feels so much broader to me. And I remember I was like, I've never read a Stephen King book. And I feel like I should probably do that at some point. And my dad has a, a few. And he had one that was, like, the smallest one he had was Cell by Stephen King. And I was like, that's the one I'm going to pick then. And I read it. And I think some people, like, aren't fond of it. They don't care for it. Or they don't hate it, but they, like, don't think it's that good. Um, I remember reading it, and I was completely enthralled. It was the first book in my entire life that made me cry. I remember, like, being on the couch and I being like, <gasps> what? And... 
I got literally on my um, Amityville one, I was like B, like maybe at most on that report, A fucking plus on the cell one because I was like <laughs> so impassioned. I was like, this is the best book I've ever read in my entire life. Um, and yeah, and then from that moment on, I was like, well, if they're that good, I've got to read some more of these and never look back. Yeah, he has a lot of them. I I don't know if you told Elizabeth, but she just finished reading yes, The Stand yesterday. Her. Literally yesterday, yes. She read I, it I like a fucking snap. week. Yeah. That, yes, that's another one that it made me cry, honestly. I like, Yes, same. So many of his books genuinely, like, and that's the thing people think just like horror is, you know, that's what I think like makes these books so compelling and why he's like the most popular, you know, writer of all time, basically, because you feel so connected to them. Like, I can't even, I don't even know how many of his books have, like, made me cry. You know, like, I remember, like, in high school, I was supposed to be doing summer reading, something about the Mayflower, and I finished Bag of Bones and came downstairs sobbing, and my mom thought I was, like, crying about, like, something that happened during, like, the Mayflower, and she was like, no, people just didn't live as long then. I'm like, I'm crying about a Stephen King book. (laughs) (laughs) People just didn't live as long then. Oh, Lord. But, yeah, and so, of course, the love that we all collectively have for Stephen King brought us to do the SK tours, Stephen King tours in Bangor, Maine. Um, we did this about probably two weeks ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we, I could say for all of us that we all collectively had a wonderful time. It was a wonderful experience. Um, <coughs> just so much there. So is there anything in particular that, like, stood out for either of you on the tour that was just, like, a moment or something that we learned or whatever that you feel you must well, share? What I really loved about the tour is, like, I only knew about it because maybe, like, four or so months ago, Elizabeth sent me a TikTok of the tour and was like, this seems really cool. And I was like, mm, that clicks. I want to do that from bachelorette party because, like, Maine is chill, easy. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. And I just kind of was, like, under the impression it was going to be a big tour that had, like, multiple tour guides and we were just going to, like, get whoever was working that day and it was going to be informational and, like, it'll be chill. But... When we went, it was literally just Jamie, who is this amazing man who just, this is his business that he runs with his father. His father used to do it and doesn't do it anymore. But like, it was just so personal and all of the things that he was able to teach us about Stephen and just the history of him, especially the history of him in Bangor was just like so personal because he had personal stories that he was able to like weave in and out of the actual like history of him. So it felt very very intimate and personal and I feel like I learned so much about Stephen King that I did not know while also learning cool fun facts about like his writing style and like the places he would go and the inspiration for so many important like characters and moments in all of these books while also just like getting glimpses of like who he was as a person as a husband as like a neighbor it was just really really cool so yeah. that, that overall is what stood out to me yeah no I agree I, I agree with Alex <laughs> I feel like um I also thought it was just going to be, like, some, you know, whoever was working that day thing. And I think the personal connections to Stephen mm-hmm. King were really cool. And I think for the for the people who in our group who, like, aren't such diehard Stephen King fans like Kelsey and Brittany, like, it was still interesting for them to hear about, like, all his, like, altruistic stuff that he's done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. naming the pool after his kid's babysitter who taught them to swim, who, like, died of cancer. Like, stuff like that in the library, mm-hmm. in the football field, and, like taking care of the teachers who made him sandwiches when he was broke like that's just stuff that it's like that's interesting to know you know this background about yeah. this, this person who produces such like horrific content and that he oh, yeah. actually like does does these really good things and that he doesn't do it for the publicity ever um I think that was really interesting and then just I think like 
like because you kind of think why why would you care so much like this street is this street in a book but it's like it is over a thousand pages long the whole thing is kids on bikes and that's how they're getting around town you get to learn the street names and you know like seeing west broadway and that's stephen king's house you know i think that you just get really attached to Derry as a town um and i felt like that that to me was just the coolest part was like seeing up mile hill and stuff like that obviously the pet oh, yeah. absolutely seeing where Pet and Carrie was from yeah was really cool i know, <laughs> you know just very similar to both of you um i I think we all kind of went in with the same impression, like random tour guide, blah, blah. I, you know, still was like, I'm going to have fun. And we're going to see like maybe like some filming locations or like, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see his house, which we did. And it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, well we got there and it was just like Jamie and his tiny little like white bus. I really remember turning to Alex being like, so are we going to die? That he's gonna kill us. I feel like we're gonna get driven off somewhere. He's gonna like slaughter us in the How woods. How dare you say that about Jamie? I know. In hindsight, I'm like, Jamie, I would lay down my life for you. He was wonderful. He just like the, his cadence as well. When he was just like, and you know what I say to them? I say, I don't care. It's my tour. I do what I want. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it was just a wonderful time and. As everything you were saying, like, you know, his family ties were so personal and it, it meant so much. And as you were saying, like, you know, both of you, like, he doesn't do this stuff for publicity. And it, it feels good when, obviously, we all like him so much as an author and then the stuff that is spawned because of his works, like his movies and shit like that. Um, so it would suck if, like, you were like, nah, he's, like, kind of a fucking huge asshole. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure we would all still read, but there would be that sense of, like, yeah, like, I don't love him, but, like, whatever. We're, like, it's so nice to know that, like, the guy you're supporting, like, is obviously very talented, but also, like, is a what, like, how much he sacrificed for his family and how fucking hard he worked for this. And, you know, how much he's trying to give back. Jamie was telling us that literally they just opened, like, some, like, Writers Institute retreat thing, like, the Stephen King writer, like, in Bangor, I'm pretty sure, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a huge thing to, like, get into a huge application process. But once again, like, him even trying to just give back to, like, young writers. Um, and I think the moment for me on the tour that stood out the most, and I hate to call myself, like, a writer, even though, like, I am, but it just it feels, like, so phony because, like, I feel like I don't write as much as I should or blah, blah, blah. But when, obviously, when he's talking about Stephen King and Elizabeth, you were saying, like, why the streets mean so much. Because, like, he was also talking about, like, before Stephen King had the horrible, like, truck accident, he would do, like, this one walk, like, around Bangor, like, and we kind of, like, took that path when we were on the bus to, like, write and, like, get inspiration. And, like, he showed us the fucking sewer grate that he imagined Pennywise would be in. And it was just... It was just so magical because, yes, I have read the book as well. So, like, having to see it in person is just, like, this incredible aha moment. But just, like, also just, like, picturing younger Stephen King, like, sitting there and getting inspiration and coming up with these ideas and writing them. It was inspirational, even if it sounds corny. But the moment for me where I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my whole life, was he took us to the Bangor standpipe, which was obviously supposed to be the dairy standpipe in the book. It was like it's it was literally like this is what he was seeing when he was writing it and that bench over there like that's where Stanley in the book would sit and watch birds but in reality that's where Stephen King would sit and like write the scenes from it on like a yellow like legal pad and I was like so already I was like oh my god I have to sit my ass on that bench where he sat um but then Jamie so funny is like oh he's like like that yellow house right there like right over there um yeah like that's where I grew up so like when he was fucking both reading it um 
he would like look out his window and like see the Bangor standpipe when he's reading the horrible crazy shit happening at the standpipe in the book I can't even imagine being in my neighborhood it would be like the equivalent of like looking across the street at my neighbor's house where like a horror book was set and being like (laughs) oh my god but then he was saying also that he would pre I guess the book coming out be able to look out his back window and just see fucking Stephen King sitting there writing that's I, I literally was like I'm sorry what it was insane it was so cool and I was just like I don't even care anymore. This is the best thing I've ever done. And it was such a tour where there was so much because there's so many Stephen King books and adaptations and so much that Jamie knew because on top of that, all the personal ties that like, I feel like there's always information that he could add to it. But even beyond that, like he was saying like people come like every year and take this tour. He was saying like one kid comes every year. He's like seen him grow up, which was so sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just like over the years, um people will come because they love it and it's a great experience but like there's no way you retain every fact after going one time like you go every time and I feel like even if I retained every fact I would still be like tell me again that's so cool but like you'll remember more and more and like it's just fantastic and like obviously we're not fucking sponsored by SK Tours not yet yet, Jamie (laughs) but you know huge promotion for them like if you ever are in the area it's worth every fucking cent you will pay for it and even if you're not plan a trip if you're a Stephen King fan if you're a horror fan like it is absolutely worth it Elizabeth has just now put on the SK Tours hat that she ordered off the website the same one that Sir Jamie wore on the tour wow (laughs) you look amazing I love that I'm wearing everywhere like (laughs) good for you it is a fashion promoting him daily literally a walking billboard um the only thing I will say, and it, it it was just like me, and I understand it completely. My only disappointment, because before we went, Alex was saying something. Because I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, I was like, wasn't even thinking oh, yeah. about what we could possibly see. And she was talking about Pet Cemetery, And Elizabeth, you had said, obviously, we went to, like, the cemetery where they, like, um, are in the movie. And, like, Stephen King is, like, the pastor and they're burying somebody. Like, the regular people, normal people cemetery. We saw that, and that was amazing. But before we went, Alex was talking about it, and I was like, oh, my God. And I know that, like, the actual, like, pet cemetery from the movie, because they also shot the whole movie in Maine, is in Maine. And I was like – and it's – they there's another um, company. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But they do a lot of those, like, screenings where it's like, watched said movie where they filmed said movie. Like, I think they're doing one coming up. It might have already passed. Where they were – you could watch Carrie in the gym where the prom, like, was shot for the movie. That's cool. I know. I wanted to do it so bad. But, like, money-wise, I was like, I don't have the money right now. Um – but I knew they did one in the past in the actual pet cemetery. So I was like, well, I know it exists. So I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to fucking, like, put that dirt in my mouth. I don't even give a fuck. <laughs> and we we didn't end up going there. But it, it's not because he, like, just opted to not do it. It's in a different part of Maine. Yeah. Like, over pretty much, like, an hour away. So, like, it wouldn't make any fucking sense. Um, that was my only disappointment. But, like, also, like, not really a disappointment because, like, everything was so amazing and so good. I can't promote it enough. Yeah, everybody should go. It was such a fun time. I think it was a three-hour tour, but, like, honestly, it felt... It did not feel like Like, it flew by, especially because we spent most of the time on the bus. Like, we got to get out and walk around the cemetery a little bit, and he took us to, like, a a little gas station for, like, a snack break and a bathroom break, which is really sweet of him. Um, So, you know, it was just, like, really comfy and nice, and I just got to... Oh, and obviously when we went to Stephen King's house, we got to walk out and take photos in front of it and at the mm-hmm. standpipe. So, yeah, I highly recommend. Um, I think, you know, if you 
are a Stephen King fan, it's definitely worth it to go at least once in your lifetime. Hopefully, Jamie will be able to do it for many, many more years, but you know, check it out immediately if you can. Elizabeth, didn't you find out he's in, didn't you find out he's in the same Facebook group as you? Yeah, because I was, when we were chatting outside, um, um, I had said something about, I saw a post in the group of a girl who had met him and I was like, yeah, the picture she posted made me uncomfy because she was really like clutching him. And it's like, all right, you really don't know him. Like, don't be touching him like that. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> she was on our tour like I literally told her to leave him alone she peeled off from the group got in her car drove around Bangor till she found him and pretended that Holy happened shit. upon him and took that picture and so because he was like oh did you see it in this group I'm like yeah and he what I posted the picture of me outside the house and Jamie liked it yeah <gasps> did, he? That's yeah. did you send him a Facebook request <laughs> oh my god <laughs> literally tucking the hair behind the ear <laughs> <laughs> well now that obviously we've done the free promo for the SK Tour, I feel like it would be a fun time now to dive a little deeper into individually some of our favorite Stephen King things. So I have some questions to pose for the group. Um, my first one being, um, does everyone have a favorite Stephen King book and what is it? Everybody has to. Elizabeth has like 12. She's like rattling around in her brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite Stephen King book is it because it is – one of my favorite books just in general um i read it right when i was at the theater because i remember there was a period of time where we were like closed for construction and i was just sitting in the office just reading it getting paid and i was like i love my life um but it's just the first book i think i first of all it was the longest book i've ever read but i also think it's the first book i read that i felt like this is such a detailed like well thought out world with so many characters that are so fleshed out the even the chapters that like I find maybe a little bit less interesting, like the background history of like the Bradley gang and like the fire, like even that was still so riveting because it was just like, and, and we learned on the tour that a lot of those were based on actual historical events in Bangor, which is so cool. So just like, I, I thought it was scary. I thought it was funny at times. I loved all the characters and like, it just felt so genuine that like when I, finished it I was like well what the fuck am I supposed to do now like I just want to keep reading this book Mm -hmm. um obviously I'm not a huge fan of the orgy scene but you know everyone makes are are any of us (laughs) I don't think so (laughs) but you know I I will recommend it to anybody and I'm sure I'll read it again at some point in my life it's just like a masterpiece in my opinion I agree yeah I think I think I think ultimately I would have to go with it too obviously if I could eliminate that scene from it, it would be an easier choice. Mm-hmm. That and like one of, so I probably read it for the first time in high school. I think then like again after grad, I don't know how I've read the book probably six or seven times. Um, twice oh being an audiobook. Um, and I think the mm-hmm. audiobook really, Richie's like Pikmin voice. I, it was like it was like oh. grating my ears. I was like, if I could cut that out and the creepy sewer scene, it would be yeah. absolutely hands on my favorite book. But those two things really bugged me. But you know, he's an old white man. He's not going to do everything perfect. And I think that was another good part of the tour. Uh, yeah. I feel like people sometimes try to cancel him for stuff, and it's like, no, he's a genuinely good person. Whatever. Um, yeah. But so I would say it. I think. The Stand, Anya, I think that's another one that, like, you can probably agree that, like, when I finished it, I just was like, how do I just, like, move on from that? Um, Literally, I was saying to Alex yesterday, I was like, it feels, it feels so fulfilling yeah. 
um, to have just finished yeah. The Stand because I read it in a, just over two weeks, like barely over two weeks. Um, not even, like fucking 11 days. Um, but Because I don't read on the weekends. I read at work. Um, <laughs> but um, – and then I was like, so I'm so happy, but then I'm like, now there's this void. Yeah. Like what is the purpose of my life now that The Stand is over? Mm-hmm. That that was hard. And that truly recommend the audiobook. Um, I've read the audio so I listened to the audiobook for the first I'd already read the book I think right after we graduated college and I was unemployed had nothing to do and I was like okay I'll read this long ass book um, and then but the audiobook is just excellent um, but I read it I think December 2019 so then like three months later I was like well oh my god I'm uncomfy <laughs> like I don't like this <laughs> um, yeah um, I would say yeah, yeah it stand um, pet cemetery and The Shining, too. Why don't you just keep naming <laughs> books until you do yeah. his poll? Every Stephen King book is my favorite. Actually, <laughs> down last night, I was obviously at a party talking to people, preparing. <laughs> so what's your favorite Stephen King <laughs> book? I, <was> <laughs> I love it. And I was like, you know what? I can't. I can't do it. Um, my So I said earlier, my first Stephen King book I read was Cell. And when I read it, up until that point, <laughs> my favorite book in the world was Because of Winn-Dixie. <laughs> Um, so huge, huge leap on that one. Um, but, um, I, yeah. And I was like, this is my favorite book. Like, this is the best thing ever. Like, um, cause there was a character in it, like Alice, uh, who's like a younger girl. I don't know if either of you have nope. read Cell. Um, I won't spoil anything. I think it just shows the power of Stephen King because like, it was just like, okay, from this point on, I don't think there's ever going to be another author who has a favorite book of mine. Like he's always going to have my favorite book, whatever it may be. And then obviously mm-hmm. they said, I first movie was Pet Cemetery. I love Pet Cemetery to this day. It's one of my favorite horror movies. So finally I was like, I need to read the Pet Cemetery book because most Stephen King fans know it's like the notorious book for like, he wrote it and he locked it in a drawer and he didn't want to release it. He thought it was too like disturbed or whatever. Um, and they finally released it and they do talk about that too on a tour, which is fun. Um, and I read that and I was like, never mind. This is my favorite book. Because like on top of just like loving the Pet Cemetery story, as I already knew from the movie, like there's we were talking about it because funny enough, at the Bachelorette party, we do the Stephen King tour and then we go home that night and we watch Pet Cemetery. Just Bachelorette things. <laughs> um and um we were all talking, of course, over like a group of people that like I don't want to say they couldn't give less of a fuck, but, like, they clearly, like, were not on the same level as, like, all of us, like, talking above their heads. Like, you remember this part in the book when, like, this was different than this? Um, or, like, this was more fleshed out in the book. Um, but, yeah, so I would also say Pet Cemetery, but, like, now that I finished The Stand, not to flip-flop all the time, but I'm, like, I don't know. I'll sit with it for, like, maybe, like, a month to really be, like, is it my favorite? But, like, low-key, I'm, like, it might be my favorite book I've ever read. I can't tell – I mean, it. I think it might be the longest book I've ever read. Um, actually, how long is it? Is it longer than The Stand? No. No, Not okay. the unabridged version that you read. The Stand is yeah. longer. Um, I, I, yeah, I read the whole uncut shit. Um, it's the longest book I've ever read, and somehow, like, the quickest I could have imagined getting through it. Like, I, when I tell you, uh, like, uh, I did it in 11 days. Like, not consecutively, but, like, uh, unreal. Yeah. Um, so good. So, yeah, I mean... I'm sure if you're listening to this and you're a Stephen King fan, you're familiar with The Stand. You don't need anyone else to tell you to read it, or if you have read it already, but you haven't read The Stand, and you only ever read one Stephen King book in your life, read The Stand, because as Elizabeth was saying, it's eerie as fuck how similar too many things are to these past few years with the pandemic, and even with, like, obviously 
we're not living in the dark here. Our country, there's a huge divide between groups of people feeling one way and blah, 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 and certain leaders and shit like that. It's, and it's crazy because it's not like, oh, it's like this pandering book Stephen King wrote. It was like written back in the fucking like 80s or like the original copy was in the 70s it was released. So like, it's, it's, it's freaky like how much like, he, I don't want to say predicted, because obviously, like, he's not writing about COVID or anything, but, like, I also think it, it's so telling just, like, how good of a writer is. He's so in tune with, like, human nature yeah. and, like, people's relationships with each other and how they interact that it's, like, I think anyone that in tune maybe and possibly could have, like, written something where it's, like, given the way human beings treat each other and act and react to certain things, this feels inevitable. Um, but, yeah, that would be... I'll tie it right now between Pet Cemetery and The Stand for a favorite Stephen King book. So moving swiftly from books to what our podcast is usually more focused on, which is movies. This might be the first time we've ever really talked about, I don't know if it's the first time we've ever talked about a book on the podcast, but like really talked about books on the podcast was now, which is fun. Um, but into what we usually talk about, which is movies, what is everybody's favorite Stephen King movie? Well, it's tough because like I feel like I, I've definitely seen a good amount of Stephen King adaptations, but just in general I'm usually somebody who prefers the book over the film just because you have so much more time to like flesh out your characters and have side plots that then you know get cut from movies so in general I pretty much always think the book is better mm-hmm. um but it's so tough I would say I have two I would say Creepshow um okay. is I love Creepshow I mean I, I love the Stephen King segment where he's like the fucking like farmer hillbilly dude who gets all taken with but the meteor and becomes like a green plant man i think that's so fun meteor shit yeah i want to you know ted danson is like the hottest he's ever been in that film (laughs) you disagree do you disagree reaction ted danson is so hot in creep show you disagree with me i I have not seen it you've never seen where is it where can i watch it no i think it's on shutter you should definitely watch it Oh my god. Stephen King has his own segments, just him acting. With it's on Canopy. Else. It's on Canopy. So if you have a library card, you have a Canopy account oh. and you can watch it there. You should watch Creep Show. It's really fun. Uh yeah, it's an anthology, so it's just five little shorts. Um, but I love it. I think to dance in could get it. And that's why I love that movie. Um, but also ironically a movie i just saw for the first time oh i knew two weeks ago yeah. uh i've been wanting to watch it for years but it's never streaming anywhere and i'm broke and stupid and i'm like i'm not gonna rent a movie so i've never watched it until anya and i got back from the bachelorette party and we we're trying to fi- find something to watch and she was like let's just fucking watch the mist and it was so fucking good i have gone my whole like you know, since that movie came out, I've like always wanted to see it and I didn't know what was in the mist. And I was like, I'm not, I'm trying to avoid spoilers for as long as I possibly can. And I'm thrilled that I did because when you watch the mist and you see what's in the mist, it is effective and it is worth it. Um, I just think like the characters are really great. The things in the mist are fucking terrifying. It has a very, uh, hmm. It has an ending that will stay with you, I guess I'll say. Um, so if anyone has not seen The Mist, rent it. Elizabeth, Oh my god, it. Elizabeth. You will, it's, it's so fucking good. It's just like one of the best productions of a Stephen King film I think I've seen. Like it's just like was okay. so well made. And it, it we, I think Anya and I talked about it a little bit. There is like very like, did you watch Midnight Mass? 
Uh, yeah. It has a lot of like Midnight Mass type elements of like the preachy like religious woman. Or and... rather, I guess Midnight Mass has many yes. of the mist elements. Yeah. Yes. But I love the I love Midnight Mass, so it it did you know reflect that, and I was like, oh, I just had the best time with it. I didn't want it to end. I think it should have been an hour longer. What? Yes. Huh. Okay, I'm adding that to my list. Yeah, it's a, a short story, and I really want to read it now. Um, but I think it's in the Skeleton Crew uh, collection of short books. Short film. Oh, my God, I can't speak. Short stories. And I really, really want to read it now because it was an amazing film. Oh. <laughs> if I had an ultimate favorite, um, just because it's, you know, I just have a special place in my heart for it. Alex, you can guess, based on the first time that we ever come oh, <laughs> hung out in college. Did you watch? <laughs> I would say the 1990 version of it. I just love it. Um, it just has a very special place in my heart. I think it's so good. And I think, honestly, it's scarier than the new one, even though it's so much more high tech. I think that that detracted from a lot of it. Um, you know, like a big, weird, naked creature running at Beverly through the house is so much less scary to me than this sweet old lady turning into what looks like the corpse of her father you know what i mean like that's so much scarier and so much like lower tech so i don't know i, I would say that i really love misery um oh, i know I can you give me a little annie wilkes <laughs> he didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car <laughs> incredible um I, I mean, it's just so good. Kathy Bates killed it. Uh, honestly, I think The Green Mile is also so oh, good. Yeah. My mom loves The Green Mile. I love Mile. The Green Mile. It's so sad, though. Ugh. It's so sad. But, I mean, I just think, like, it, it was a really good adaptation. Um, that, that was another one that I read because, you know how he released it, like, in installments? Like, kind of Dickens style? Yeah, so that's how my dad originally bought the Green Miles. He was just releasing it bit by bit. Mm. And so my dad had all the mini little books. Oh, and that's fun. how I originally read that's it. That's awesome. And, I yeah, love that. and I thought the movie was like such a good adaptation. Wow. Can I jump in before you go, Anya? Because she just reminded me of something that I should have said was my favorite. Okay. And I want to throw it out there. Gerald's Game is like one of... Oh. Uh, fantastic. That movie, I just think... I, I haven't read Gerald's Game, but like... From what you learn in the film, like I'm sure it's a very internal kind of story because it mm -hmm. is mostly just her, what she's thinking, what she's dealing with. And I thought that Mike Flanagan did such an incredible job portraying all of that and making it effective and scary. And the Midnight Man, the Moonlight Man, the Moonlight Man mm -hmm. is yeah. one of the Ooh. scariest fucking things I've seen in a film in a long time. And the last 10, 15 minutes of that movie affected me so deeply that like every time I see it, I just like ball my eyes out i love it so fucking much and i feel like it was just like a straight to netflix movie and i was like oh it's mike flanagan yeah. like i do love mike flanagan but it it fucking rocked my socks and you gotta see it i feel like i remember on the tour jamie saying something about it and being like that he had seen a degloving in real life and he was like oh so it's, yeah it's accurate i know that it's accurate because he, he was in the a war he was in the was marines or some shit oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. He seen some really shit. Good. I want to say the Navy. <laughs> the okay. Navy. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you guys obviously have touched upon a lot. Um, yeah. So I have, can't help it. That's fine. Um, mm -hmm. My go-to, obviously, as I've said a million times, is always Pet Cemetery. I love Pet Cemetery. I think it's wonderful. Also directed by a woman. I love that it's directed completely in Maine. Um, I love so much about it. Gage, I would lie. I would fucking lie in front of a truck for Gage every no every fair. time you see. Yeah, no <laughs> fair. 
be oh with mommy. No, I want to play with you. <laughs> I love him. Um, and every time that scene comes when he fucking eats shit, mm. even though you've seen it and you know it's coming, it hurts. He is Migo Hughes is a baby is one of the cutest children I've ever seen in my whole fucking life. Um, but I always forget that one of I don't forget, but I don't even like click it together. One of my favorite movies in general of all time, I would say top five, is Stand by Me. Um, so I know I won't hark on it a lot because it's not really horror and we're a horror-related podcast, but I just think that, and I've read the, the novella, The Body, that it's based off of. Um, it's it's just phenomenal. I, once again, not the whole feeling like I identif- identify as a writer. Um, you know, I've always felt very connected to the Gordy character. Um, and in high school, uh, my best friend, it was like our movie. And like, um... I was Gordy, and she was, um, Chris. Chris? No. Why can I not remember River Phoenix's name? River Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Chris. Yes. Um, so, like, our, and, like, the day that we were, like, I was leaving to go to college, I, like, slept over at her house the night before, and we, like, watched it, and then, like, we literally had, like, I mean, none of, neither of us are dead, so that's, you know, good to know, but, like, having that, like, goodbye moment, like, at the end of Stand By Me, when, like, he walks away, and he... I literally am going to cry. Elizabeth, the face Elizabeth is making like going to make me cry. It's such a powerful movie. And it was one of those ones that my mom always loved. And was like, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And of course, in like an act of defiance. I was like, I don't care, mom. And like kind of like took years for me to watch it because I didn't want to like admit that she would be right. And then I watched it and I was like, fuck. It's the first movie I've ever fucking seen. Um, but yeah. And then to bring up my other options were The Mist as well. Well, Pet Cemetery horror wise is like my favorite. Once again, Elizabeth, you have to see The Mist. Uh, you will love. Yeah. And Alex kind of touched upon a lot of, like, what I was feeling with that. Um, but the thing about it is it's kind of, like, almost just, like, a quint, like the quintessential, like, Stephen King-esque movie because of, like, the horror and the creepy elements and, the, like, there's the stuff that happens. I won't give away anything about The Mist. Um, but just Stephen King, and I talked about this, actually, I'm pretty sure, on our Midnight Mass minisode. Um, the thing that Stephen King does so well is, like, those small town dynamics I mean he's wonderful at creating characters and like fleshing characters out like when you read his books sometimes sometimes you're like reading a chapter and he's just giving you the background on a character and I'm like how the fuck is this going to tie in to like what we're doing and like sometimes it doesn't but it's just like well he gave that to you just so you see this hu- this human being as a full-fledged human being and now something unrelated and creepy is going to happen to them um but so he does that so well but yeah those dynamics of like a small town and like how like people kind of like when like forced into a corner like a caged animal how they'll like break and obviously in the mist they're all trapped in a grocery store together during something horrific and like so take an already small town and then condense it into this even smaller community and mm-hmm. you know quickly shit unravels and it's just done so perfectly there feels like there's like every quintessential like Stephen King-esque character like is present in this movie and so I think like as an overall Stephen King adaptation, kind of like Alice was saying, it might be like what I feel is like the most well done. And I, she was telling me, because I didn't even know, that it was based on a short story. I was figuring it was like, it must have been a full-length book, given like it how well novella. it's done. Um, so, incredible. And then my last thing I'll say, which Alice kind of already brought up, I have to give an honorable mention to pretty much any Mike Flanagan um, <laughs> Stephen King thing. I, I think he only has two, which is Dr. Sleep and Gerald's Game. He might have another one coming, I'm not sure. But obviously, he's clearly a huge Stephen King fan. You see huge influences in shit like Midnight Mass. Um, but I 
will go on record and I've said it before I'll say it again I think like literally no one should be allowed anymore to do a Stephen King adaptation except Mike Flanagan like I feel that he has a full grasp on like what Stephen King is about and he does it so well I know some people like did not fuck with Dr. Sleep but I feel like those people were both wrong and also like you know the shining purists like the shining movie purists and they were like I'm sorry Stanley Kubrick or whatever I don't give a fuck um I thought Dr. Sleep was incredible I thought the um Jacob Tremblay scene um my baby was like the horror moment of the year like so I was I went to see it with my mom she was beside herself. Like, I thought she would, might, like, get up and leave the theater. Like, she was not okay. Um, but, yeah, we could go on forever about Stephen King movies because there's so many and there's so yeah. much to love about so many of them. Um, so in order to move off of that mm-hmm. um, but still stay within the movie television verse, what is – is there a Stephen King story that either of you would want to see adapted because it hasn't been adapted yet or – is there one that, like, has been adapted, but you'd like to see it adapted, like, again, slash, like, differently because you feel like it could be done better or differently or whatever? That's the question I will pose. I think that we need to get a change.org petition going for the Mike Flanagan thing because oh. <laughs> I, I, I co-sign that, and I think we need to get it started. I'm right, right there with you on the front lines. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, I, I feel like I haven't read enough Stephen King books to really have, like, a huge... Like, not that I haven't read a lot of them, but I feel like I've read a lot of, like, the big ones that have big film adaptation versions of them because those are, like, the easy ones to kind of, like, get your foot in the door. Um, so there's not a ton that I've read that I don't think I have seen, like, an ad- adapted version of. Um, so I would say for something that I would like to see adapted again is very on brand for me. We've discussed it many times on this podcast, and I will just do a spoiler warning for this book right here unless either of you have not read it in which case i will not say the spoiler it's cujo i have not read cujo but i think i know the spoiler so okay my reasoning for wanting to see cujo remade is because in the book spoiler alert the child dies and it is so effective because the whole book the woman is trying so desperately to save her and her child from this dog and it's just like gut-wrenching and it it just like goes on for so long and then when she finally is able to escape and her child has just like just died it's devastating and it's effective and it works and I'm very much okay with having a sad like dark miserable ending to a book or a movie if that's how the story should go and in the movie again I guess spoiler for the movie the child does not die and it's kind of more of like a happy ending of like oh we killed the dog do to do now yeah. like we're we're saved and I'm like no, I would like you to make it the way that Stephen King wrote it because I understand that, you know, when you're adapting something, you are allowed to make creative choices that are different than the source material. But when it's something that drastic, I kind of have a problem with it. And I'm like, mm, that's, but the whole point of the book is that, like, the child died. Like, it's not a happy book. The dog yeah. died. The dog wanted to be a good boy and he died. And it was so devastating. And the, the child died. And that's devastating. So, like, to kind of give it, like, a fake happy ending irritates me. So I would love to see it remade and be the dark, sad film that it should be, you know? I don't know that I've ever even seen Cujo or not seen it all the way through. So I didn't even know that because that that is such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that that's how it should be. Um, I would say, so there was a version of The Stand made in it's a miniseries. I think it was like 1994 with like, 
Gary Sinise, Molly Ringwald, very strange on-screen couple. It's like the way um, they play a couple. Is she, yes. is she Franny? They play. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, Molly Ringwald, yeah, um, but you are not my Franny. I haven't even seen it, and I can tell you that. So it's weird. They dye her hair like darker. She does. She does okay as Franny. Um, I would say it's really good. I got the DVD off Amazon. I can I can lend it to you guys. I really liked it. I've seen it a couple times. I watched it during early COVID when I was like, I don't know why I, I did that to myself. I thought it was really good, but it, it again, it's very low tech and it could have benefited from being higher tech. And so I was really excited with the m- most recent mm-hmm. adaptation of The Stand. I had really high hopes. It sucked. Mm. That's what it I heard. Yeah. It was all over the place. Ugh. So that bumped me out. I wish. So I, I don't know. Not to say that I want them to do it again, but I just, I wish it had been done well. Um, I also, 112263, I really loved the book. And I think Jamie said that, that if people even like, you know, if you're not a horror fan, that's a Stephen King book you should read. But it was really good, really touching, really interesting premise. And I started watching the Hulu show with James Franco and I, started off fine and it just went off course for me and I might have enjoyed it if I hadn't read the book but because I did I don't know so that's just another one I wish they did better and I think just one that they haven't done yet to my knowledge was Duma Key um and they had uh John Slattery narrate the book so he's just who I picture as the main character I think that could be a really cool adaptation with him I think I read in a Fangoria uh that Stephen King has like been trying to adapt to the stand for like decades he was supposed to adapt it with like george a romero at one point i thought yeah 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 i think we probably read the same fangoria about it because like yeah because he wanted to write the screenplay for it but like every time that he did it would he would like turn in like 600 pages and they're like we can't make this film steven and he'd be like (laughs) but you you can't cut anymore like the story is so complex like you need all of this so like i would love to see I mean, I haven't read The Stand. Um, it's currently on my table over there that I'm going to read it the second I finish the book I'm currently reading. Um, but, like, fucking do what they did for it, but do, like, fucking four of them. I don't care. Do m- as many movies as you need to be able to tell the story fully and, like, completely. I, I would love that. Um, yeah. Go Going directly off that, because that was, like, one of my two answers, having just finished The Stand, because I think I was telling you, Alex, or somebody, um, that... I have never seen either of the adaptations of The Stand. And recently when the new one came out or it was getting announced for like whatever it is now, Paramount Plus, CBS All Access, whatever the fuck it is, I don't care. Um, I was like, okay, I really want to see this. So, but I'm not seeing it till I read The Stand. So that was really finally the fire under my ass where I was like, I'm stealing the huge un- like unabridged copy of The Stand off my dad's bookshelf. I'm taking it back to LA with me and I'm fucking reading it. Um, so... And I'm so glad that I, and usually I think most people feel this way, like it's better to read the book before you see something so then you can have your own idea of it. Because then mm-hmm. sometimes when you read a book, you're just like imagining the actors that were already put in place for you. So I was happy that that was not the case with this because it was, I, I'm sorry, but like The Stand, I just read it, like so it's really on top of my mind. Maybe it is the best book I've ever fucking read because like I'm so fucking happy that like I had my own like ideas of everyone and perceptions of everyone and Stephen King's right like you cannot cut so there's a part of me that's like I don't know that I even ever want the stand adapted again like maybe it's best that it never gets adapted to the screen and I just have it for myself in my own world we don't need everything to be adapted we don't we don't but in the same way if it were to be adapted again which from what I've heard like it's pretty much the consensus I feel like what Elizabeth was saying which is that the new one 
not cutting it. Most people were, I feel like, were not enjoying it. And I feel like for the original, people also didn't enjoy it. Or there's kind of, like, that consensus of, like, it's not overtly bad, but also, like, it doesn't live up to, like, the greatness of the book, The Stand. Which I'm sure, even if you have the best adaptation visually, it will never live up fully to the book because the book is immaculate and a masterpiece. Um, And, but if it were to get adapted again, uh, my pitch would be, once again, of course, Mike Flanagan at the fucking helm. Like, I, I don't know who the fuck else I would want there, but Mike Flanagan. Um, a- HBO. We're going HBO with this shit. And I want at least two-part, like, limited series. Like, give me the Big Little Lies fucking treatment, but for the stand. So, like, give me, like, ten episodes or whatever the fuck ever of, like, maybe, like, the first half. And then... 10 more episodes a year later for the second half or however the fuck do it fucking four times over give me 40 episodes like I don't care but like I feel like it's one of those things where it's like it I could never foresee it being condensed even to like two movies like you couldn't even Mm -hmm. do an it chapter one chapter two situation with this like it would just never do it justice so I feel like honestly I'd probably teeter more to like that's one that I would hope that we never touch again and I never want it you know altered again because you can never it just simply cannot be done um but other than that I would say I just recently read um, a more recent Stephen King book called The Institute. Um, very Stephen King with um, kids with like psychic powers and they get like kidnapped to in this like facility and shit like that. And I think I did read an article recently where like it is set to be adapted, but I didn't read too far in to see like who was at the helm, if they had cast anybody, what who was mm-hmm. making it, like, company-wise. So I guess if that is the case and they are adapting it, I'll be excited to see um, because I really did enjoy it. Um, I don't know if there's a Stephen King book I've read so far where I've been like, that sucked. Like, which I guess is really great. Because um, mm-hmm. I know that there's some Stephen King people that I feel like they do read some of them and they're like, I hated that. So I'm I'm fearful that that will happen, but I feel like I it won't because – hasn't happened yet although I haven't read everything he's read but yeah I would say for me of one that hasn't been adapted yet I would vote for the institute because that's the only Stephen King book that I have read so far that has not had something that I can immediately go watch afterward that is like Mm -hmm. the visual companion for it and to finish this out um my last question for the group is kind of swinging it back I guess to the books but also you can answer this however you see fit um who is your favorite Stephen King character? So if you want to specify if it's the version from the book, if it's the version from the movie, or it might be a character that you've only seen in the movie but not in the book or vice versa, but I would love to know if you have a favorite Stephen King character and if you want to share why they're your favorite, obviously feel free. Uh, it's so tough. I feel like I was racking my brain before we recorded because I forgot that we were asking this one. And I was like, oh, God damn it, I need to think of a character. Um, and the only one that really like stands out to me is someone that like, I actively loved was Ben Hanscom and it I just think that Ben is like such a like he's the underdog you know he's so sweet and kind when he's young and then like you know he's just like the the hot guy when he grows up and you're like oh Ben I just love him I was like really rooting for him and Bev um in it and then I guess um in terms of like a character I love not because I like love who they are but I love the way they like made me feel is the Moonlight Man, via mm. Gerald's game. Just oh, because nice. I I do think that like that character and like the way he looks, the way he lurks, and like what ends up becoming of him, I think is so terrifying to like my core that like the thought of being near that man, like fucks with my brain. So 
I think that's one of the scariest characters he's written, and so therefore a character I really love. Of course, I'm going to have to give a couple answers. Um, I I mean, it's so hard to choose from the losers who's my favorite. I mean, I think Ben, I can definitely relate to being, you know, the awkward little chunky kid. (laughs) But like, um, you know, just I, I think that that's what's part of what makes it so appealing in any adaptation the book the movie whatever um like the part where they're um in the 1998 where mike and bill are on uh bill's bike like the original bike and they're flashing between them as kids and them as an adult and that song by the temptations is playing like that always gets me choked up like that's just like you know within this like like i said like this horror book you feel such like an intense emotional connection to these people um and you know it just says a lot about like friendship and aging and life it's yeah um but other than that john coffee really have a soft spot for you know that just was like so sad um annie wilkes i love um uh and i feel like there was another one oh, well, gauge too i feel like we can't oh. not say gauge well, obviously yeah that's it. and i would say from the stand i just loved nick andros and tom cullen's friendship oh my god that yes really, like that really got me um and like to the like when I finished the stand, I was like, I literally want to get a tattoo that says M O O N. When I was reading it, I was like, I'm gonna just start incorporating that into my daily like vernacular, being like M O O N. That spells insert anything. That's like for Alex's uh, Instagram post after the Bachelor. I wanted to write like M O O N. That spells Alex's Bachelor. That party, would be so funny. <laughs> You'll yeah, be able to so do it. You can my... do it for the wedding. You know, M O O N. That spells yeah. Alex is married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Alex, get cracking. <laughs> All right. I don't know what that means, but I like it. You will. You will soon enough. <laughs> um, for me, um, I feel like I don't know that I have uh, many answers, but obviously, like Gage. Like, I love Gage. You know, that was probably one of my, as you know, I said, kind of Pet Cemetery is the first one I really remember. And I was immediately like, I would lay my life down on the line for Gage. Of course, I love Gage. But to be fair, like, that's kind of more so Miko Hughes because, like, even yeah. in the book, like, Gage isn't, like, you don't ever get, like, Gage's perspective or anything. Um, and I feel like I did, like, um, in the book, I liked um, Lewis more. But I-, I think that's because you're kind of getting it through his perspective more. It's just, like, obviously more fleshed out. Um, but um, I think probably my number one – start. sorry to keep bringing it back to the stand, but I'm not. I love Franny. Like, I was yeah. reading it, and it got to a certain point, kind of, uh, it's past a point that Alex has gotten to, so I won't get into detail, but, like, I was just, like, I'm, I love her, and I was kind of, like, even though, like, the, the book switches between perspectives and shit, like, I think, and I don't think this is unique to me, but, like, when I read a book, like, I think a lot of people do this, like, you try to find sometimes, like, someone you can insert as yourself into it, or, like, see the story through, and for me, it was her, um, and I just, I adored her absolutely loved her um her and Stu together was like everything to me like I had so my whole fucking life was riding on that I was like Steven if you fuck this up I will never forgive you I will literally fucking be in tears at the office right now um but yeah and I just think and I can talk about this part because Alex had originally gotten to this part when she first got through part of the stand was like obviously like when it opens up and like she like finds out she's pregnant which in general like not even given the circumstances they're in like it's just so like immediately I was like connected with her I was like girl I'm here by your side like not that I'm pregnant or have been pregnant but like that sense of like I feel like that 
when you are someone in life that can experience pregnancy and it's a scary thing like I feel like immediately when you know someone else is going through that especially unexpectedly like there's that like I I'm here for you I feel you I want to protect you like yes you get it mm-hmm. um and I love that she, her whole thing was just like she she can't help but like have these like giggling fits like when it and she's so I just I love her and then of course shit hits the fan and like her her she's left alone in the world um and her her dad dies and she has to like lift his body on her own um and bury him in the garden and like that for me once again I was at the beginning I was like okay I like Franny because she's kind of like the only like real female lead we have currently in the book um and then that happened and I was like doesn't matter if you do anything to Franny I will fuck you up um (laughs) so I would think she and that's why I feel like I'm nervous because I'm now gonna go watch my boat adaptation to the stand that I finished the book and I'm like I don't want to see who the fuck they have as Franny because like Franny is like me in my head but also not me and like somebody else that I've imagined but like that she feels like my spiritual like soul sister for a lack of a better way of putting it and I'm like I don't want to see what you fucking jamokes have picked for Franny you're gonna get it wrong um you don't want to see Molly Ringwald no, I like no shade to Molly. You might know. be a little pleasantly surprised. I don't think she's bad as Franny. I really don't. All right, I'll I, give her. I'll give her, her a fair chance. But <laughs> um, but then other than that, I really love um both in the movie and in the book. I love the character of. Let me make sure I do have her name correct. So I won't say yeah. Uh, of Abra in Doctor Sleep. Um, I think that once again, I I just love like a spunky girl. I mean, as a female reader of Stephen King, like I. You know, we don't get a whole lot. I wouldn't say we don't get a whole lot because obviously, like, his first book ever was, like, Carrie. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, at the end of the day, like, he even if he's writing a woman, he's a man, a white, straight guy writing, like, women. Um, so it's not going to be perfect. Um, so I just love her. And, you know, I love that she has, like, her own special powers. And there's, like, a whole thing, both in the movie and the book, where, like, she's kind of, like, she's scared. Her life is in jeopardy. These, like, people are coming to, like, kill her, essentially, and suck, like, her essence out. And she kind of gets to this point where she, like, she gets, like, angry and she's like I fucking dare you like I'm gonna fuck you up to the point where like um Danny Torrance played in the movie by Ewan McGregor kind of almost gets even in the book it's like okay like Abra like I get it but like like you can't do this you can't egg them on she's like yes I fucking can like and I and I definitely like being like a child that grew up with like a motherfucking attitude like having those moments (laughs) where you're like I fucking dare you no I don't give a fuck do it do it and like I was like yeah I really fuck with that. Um, but I think, I'm trying to think of the top of my head if there's anybody else that I wanted to make mention to. Um, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think, not really surprisingly, I'm drawn to the quote-unquote strong female characters of Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, and even recently I just read Carrie. Um, and weirdly, even though thinking I was going to imagine um, Sissy Spacek the whole time I was reading it, I didn't. And while I wasn't like, Rah, rah. I mean, obviously you're rooting for Carrie. Like, how could you mm-hmm. not? But, like, I just found her really interesting because, once again, like, it's the book. You get so much more of her than you could ever possibly get in the movie. Um, but, yeah, I have to I have to go Franny. Like, I think pre this, when I talked about Sal, the character Alice, who also is a young girl, and honestly, it was my first Stephen King book, I was like, oh, my God, I see. I'm picturing, like, me. Like, I'm inserting myself into this character, and I was so emotionally attached to her. Um that it felt like me now being emotionally attached to Franny was like some huge like years later because I read it back back when I was like 
in my teens. Not that I'm crazy old now, obviously, but like now that I'm like a grown woman, I'm like, well, Franny is like the logical like evolution for me to now mm-hmm. be attached and like love Franny. Um, so that would be my answer. And yeah, so I guess that about wraps it up. Um, we could have honestly done this fucking episode, I feel like, for like two fucking hours if we really wanted to. Um, but keeping it short as a mini-sode. But Elizabeth, you were such you were the perfect guest to have for this. I feel you were marvelous. Yeah, no one knows more about Stephen King than Elizabeth. Lally. I know. Um, maybe Jamie. I don't know. I think he might be <laughs> I love that it's like a hair flip. I don't know, maybe Jamie does. <laughs> I mean, what if Jamie listens to this? Ep- what if Jamie finds this episode somehow and listens to it? Oh, my hands are sweating. We'll tag him in it. Oh my god. Um, yeah. I mean, we absolutely have to have you back for a full length episode at some point. We can definitely find something B horror that's maybe Stephen King esque or adjacent. Or I'm sure there's like some weird fucking random. We're gonna do Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. We actually we did, did Maximum Overdrive. I hated and it. Was it. Painful. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so thank you yeah. so much. Is there anything of yours that you would like to plug? Any social media or anything to the audience? I'm not doing anything interesting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just wanted to give you the opportunity. <laughs> um, no, I'm just out here marking shit on Goodreads. Hell yeah, good for you. Oh, that reminds Always me. trying to get me to download Audible. Because this is our yeah. first episode where we've kind of talked about books and been like, you guys gotta go read these books. And it's funny because we were talking about this stuff at That's Right. Once again, not sponsored. But as Elizabeth was saying, if you really want to get into the audiobooks of Stephen King, whether if you're just an audiobook lover or you've read the books, want to hear the audio version, a good app is Libby. If you have a library mm-hmm. card, it is free. And then you can literally, it's just like borrowing a book. You borrow an audiobook and it's right there on your phone instead of having to like pay for it through like Amazon or something like that. Like literally we should all be taking more advantage of the library i mean i use the library as my personal blockbuster i fucking get dvds out of the library all the time and if you're like me who's more inclined usually to read a physical copy or even if i'm doing the audiobook i like to have the physical copy in front of me um i was telling elizabeth and alex about this my favorite website i will never buy a book from a fucking like chain bookstore again or anything it's called thrift books and they pretty much have every book ever on there you just type it in and you can get it used, but it can tell you, like, the quality of it. Like, so, like, I got, like, two autobiographies, nice hardcover. Looks like they were fresh off the shelf. Five bucks. Like, got the Sally yeah. Field one for, like, like four fifty. Insane. When I got back from the party, I put Sal in my cart on Thrift Books, and it's, like, $4. It's, like, new. And I'm, like, ah! Yeah, it's insane. I haven't purchased it yet. Unless you're, like, trying to get something that just came out, like, a month ago. Yeah. Like, they'll still be on Thrift Books, so they'll probably be, like, close to, like, normal price. But, like... If you wait a little while, they'll be cheaper. And any books that have been out in the past years, like, even if they're not, like, a dollar, they're significantly cheaper than you would get them at Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. And I highly recommend. And if you create an account, you get, like, points for it. And then you – every like, for every book you buy. And then you get, like, a free book. I've already gotten, like, three fucking free books. So I have used this website multiple times. I can vouch for them. Once again, not sponsored. I just love thrift books. Um, but, yeah, on that note um, – Elizabeth, once again, it was so lovely to have you on. This was so much fun. Thank you, guys. And what I, sorry, the last thing I'll say about the audiobook, I used to be a huge, like, purist about, like, listening to an audiobook doesn't count as book, blah, blah, blah. But I think especially 
it's been a fun way to revisit books that like maybe I don't want to sit down and reread yeah. something that I've already read by Stephen King but then it's like do I want to listen to Michael C. Hall read Pet Cemetery to me yes oh, I do nice. so I think it's a fun way to revisit it to so I would say give it a chance if you're listening to a podcast you probably might like audiobooks that's so very true give it a yeah um it's valid yeah so go read more books that's the whole point of the whole fucking episode is we all need to be a little more literate mm-hmm. um but yes Thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us. Thank you for everyone who listened to our entire season two. We have a fun opener episode for season three and so many more guests to come. Perhaps we'll bring Elizabeth back even in season three for literally anything we want to. We'll just pull it out of our asses. Um, now, Elizabeth <laughs> is now an honorary girl who cried be horror because she's been on the show. Yeah. You should have seen my face now. She texted me. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I know, she's like, so honored. She's like, Elizabeth's like so nervous. I was like, nervous about what? We're like fucking idiots. There's literally nothing to be worried about. Um, But yeah, so thank you as always, everyone, for listening and being a creep along with us. And as always, keep it creepy. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.